Um, let's pray, and we're going to get right into um, the book of Nehemiah. Uh, we are going to, we start in a series called Nehemiah, and uh, God's going to do some great things through this, uh, through this book. Um, I mentioned the blueprint class, uh, really talking about uh, restoring your soul, helping God identify, help you uh, redeem your identity, and drive you toward the purpose that you were made for. You know, there's nothing more satisfying than watching God heal your soul and really restore to you what you're like, what your personality really is when it's not marred by sin and death and distortion and other people's goals and all these other things. The Lord wants to restore your soul and your identity in such a way that you can be free. Can you just say the word freedom? Freedom. freedom. It's not just Mel Gibson lying on his back getting a sword in his gut. There's more to it than that, you know, you movie watchers. You know, freedom is about not just freedom just to do anything, but free to live in the, in the groove that the Lord has for you. It's called purpose. And God wants us to not only know our purpose, but he wants us to walk in it. It's, it's something that uh, is so important uh, for a Christian. And, you know, there's so many times where people are, are walking in fear and trepidation and moving backwards. And doesn't it feel a lot more freeing when you're walking forward? You know, you know, and I understand. We, where we walk through death, how many have faced death recently? Come on, it's, it's just it's all around us. We know we're going to die, but let's die well, Amen. Amen. How many want to die well? You want to die well? And what'd you learn in church today? I'm going to die. <laughs> well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. <Joe. laughs> I, I want to remind us of a scripture that we felt uh, for the year. Um, I, I put the prayer in presence. Um, God really wants us to be focused in on his presence this year. You could say that about every year, but it's something that the Lord is moving us into a deeper place. And, and you may in your mind think, oh, I know what that is. Let's, let's go there. No, you do not know. Otherwise, God wouldn't be taking you there. God is always taking us to a deeper, richer place than we've ever experienced. And, it's a, and trust me, eternity is going to be like that, where we're going to be with him, and it's going to be amazing. This scripture for the year, I'm just going to read it. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. This is a prophetic word for our body. You may be in the wasteland you may be feeling like you're in the desert and there's no water but trust me water's coming water's available sometimes we have to dig the wells and get to the deep parts to know that the riches the minerals the wealth of the land is deeper than you realize lord i pray that you make the scripture come to life lord um, i'm excited um, there's no fake up here there's no uh, show for me up here. It's just genuineness. I love your book, Lord. I love hearing about Nehemiah. I'm different than him, um, but there's things I like about him, Lord. And there's things I see in friends that I have and people that I know that are like him. And Lord, I want to gain and I want the, your people to gain the attributes that are in there, Lord, for us to mine out. And I pray, Lord, that you would inspire us through this, Lord, that we can see this restoration, not as some ancient temple and an ancient city, 
Lord, in ancient walls against an ancient enemy, but, Lord, that these things are fresh for our temple, that is our body. Lord, that it is, Lord, not a city, but a life of a church, a city on a hill. And I pray that you'd open our heart in such a way to receive that, that we can be the presence that Nehemiah sought after, Lord, and that we could be that city on a hill. Draw us close to you and make these words come to life. And Lord, I pray for all the families that each of these people represent. Would you touch their families in profound ways? We plead for our kids. Lord, we ask for our neighbors, those that know you and don't know you, those that are trying to understand you. Lord, we're all on a journey. We're all on an adventure. Open our eyes, open our hearts that we can have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit says. And I praise you, Lord. Lord, I praise you in the assembly. Praise to the living God. Glory to your mighty name, Lord. You are faithful to all generations. You are mighty and worthy of our praise. All strength and glory and wisdom be yours. Lord, you know all things. And I praise you, Lord. Would you just bless the Lord with your mouth? Just bless him. We bless you, Lord. Forget your circumstances or submit them to God. Anything that's burdening you right now, it's heavy on your heart, just give it to God. God's got it. Trust him. Lord, thank you. And Lord, you build our trust. So many times I don't trust you and I'm learning to trust you. That's honest. But I thank you that you're always faithful in the end. And so be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> Let's look, a look at this a little bit. Nehemiah building the dream. He's really a dream builder or a kingdom builder. There's a lot of words we can use. Building the dream just sounded good. But <clears throat> there really is a lot of things about Nehemiah that is great. Uh, to give you a, a little time frame, um, you know, you have uh, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and then you, you work right there into Ezra, and Nehemiah, and then you go into Esther and Ruth, and then you go into the Psalms and the Scriptures. Uh, so if you know your Bible, you know that's how it goes. Um, just to give you a little history and a backdrop here, uh, before I get to Zerubbabel. Um, by the way, can you say that name, Zerubbabel? When I first said it, I said Zerubbabel. And then I, then I got that pronunciation program that you click on it, pronounce the word, and it's some British sophisticated guy, and he goes, Zerubbabel. So like I'm in, the, I'm in the restaurant sitting there listening to it and going, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel. Do you want any pancakes? Zerubbabel. <laughs> I, I want to kind of draw a time frame. And many of you know King David. And King David did promise to bring, build a temple. There's nothing about the Christian church that wants to build some mighty temple. And I, don't, I, don't, I believe that the New Testament really makes clear that we are the new living stones that are being built and we are the temple of the living God. How many say amen? amen. God is actually in us. And it's not just, oh, he's in the pastor. He's going to minister. You know, you know what? I'm just another dude up here like you. Do you know that the Lord is in you too? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The, the, and the same power that raised up Christ that raised him up is also raising you up. This is what's great about the power. And what's great about King David is he 
promised, and he, remember, he had a commitment in his heart that he wanted to make something of the temple, which ends up being a reflection of us, and that's how we're going to look at it. But he, he wants to make this temple, and the Lord gives him this great vision, and it's handed off to his son. And in the Old Testament, everything was obedience, disobedience. Obedience, God comes through. Disobedience, he doesn't come through. Except we're going to see grace in this scripture of Nehemiah that's way beyond even what Nehemiah sees himself. And what happens is, is Solomon, as you know, did not walk in all the ways of the Lord. His heart started drifting, and little by little, God told him, basically, in a, I mean, nutshelling, paraphrasing, he said, you know, I'm going to fulfill in you what I promised, but your son, no, because you didn't walk in my ways. And so his son, so Solomon rebuilds the temple, and he builds a house for himself, and he builds all kinds of stuff, even more grand than the temple, which I think was one of the things that was an affront to God, and I think it is a affront to God, to build your own life more grand than you would his kingdom. Seriously. Some, some of you might, you know, have to take what you have and give it to the poor. He picked the wrong church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there you have it. Unless the Lord has you in it, and then you use it for his kingdom. Amen? Amen? So it's not dogmatic. You need to hear the Lord. I can't be your relationship with God. You have to have a relationship with God. So I can't make those judgments for you. But let me just say this. And after Solomon built this temple, he handed over to his son. And it said that his son was surrounded by his father's counselors who had given him wise advice. But he decided, eh, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm in high school. I'm going to listen to my other high school buddies. It's pretty much what he did. He listened to his buddies instead. And his buddies gave him terrible advice. So much so that the kingdom of Israel and its 12 tribes went downhill and they got into a big conflict with one another and separated and I'm paraphrasing and it became Judah and Israel. Say that with me. Say Judah Judah. and Israel. If you see the genealogy, you know, of Jesus Christ, you know that this descendancy comes through the tribe of Judah. Why? Because God said it would. That's why. It wasn't because Judah was a better smiler Nothing like that. Judah had his own problems. And I've just given you his descendants of David and Solomon, now Rehoboam. Okay? And when those two tribes, Benjamin joined Judah, and Israel took the ten other nine tribes, became the ten tribes. And then over a quick period of time, the Babylonians came in and they conquered them. And the Israelites were displaced from their place of a nation. Okay? There was no army. They had no temple. They had no identity. They had no camaraderie. Oh, may the Lord do something awesome in the body of Christ. May God do something awesome. May the fear in the Christian church be overcome. Who doesn't turn to Fox News and whatever news channel you are for its prophetic wisdom and looks and said to the word of God. Lord, please, in Jesus' name. The Israelite nation was no more. They were scattered. And we see in Isaiah prophesying these things, 
And we also see him prophesying a freedom deliverer in this. So you have Isaiah and Jeremiah. And then moving up from that 750 B.C. time frame all the way up to 450 to 468, you have now Zerubbabel with Ezra and then moving into Nehemiah, which are now, they're scattered, but what happens is Zerubbabel with Ezra begins to restore the, the, the people back to the land. It's the first exile that comes back. And they start to restore the temple, the first the city and the people. And then in the book of Ezra, the first six chapters, he is then restoring the, the temple, but there's no walls around it. There's no fortification. And that's how it is with us sometimes. We get saved. God is in us. Our temple is restored. But guess what? Our character is still flawed and our personality is distorted and we have no claim on purpose and focus and we're not protected and we're not fortified. And how many say that we grow in God's power? And thank God that Nehemiah, who then shows up, the book we're going to go into, thank God that he doesn't go, you know what we ought to do? We ought to make care groups for people who are broken in captivity, one-on-one. And let's restore ourselves. And those things are important, but aren't you glad he didn't stay in that? He said, you know what? We're not only going to just recover, but we're going to find purpose. And we're going to move forward. And we're going to advance you know, there's, you know, I was talking, because we're going to be talking about the Persian Empire. I, I've talked to someone who has very good knowledge of Persia right now, of Iran. Iran is experiencing some of the greatest Christian increase in the world right now. Do you understand that? Do you understand that God is doing such amazing things? I have some connection in China. God is doing some incredible things over there. I've, I've shared a few things. And God is faithful in his, all his ways that we don't always understand. And, and, so, and so here we have this. Now, this book of Ezra, so we have Ezra, which includes Zerubbabel and Ezra. It starts in around 450 B.C. And right, I want you to see that Daniel, going back again in time, where we have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, contemporaries of one another, Daniel is going to prophesy that... The, the, they're going to go into captivity. It's going to be 70 years. And what happens is, is at that 70th year, you're, the Persians are going to come in and they're going to conquer Babylon. And then what happens is, is that Artaxerxes, well, first Cyrus, and then later Artaxerxes in the book of Nehemiah, he comes into power and he's going to prophesy that the Jews are going to rebuild the temple and God's people. Now, I don't know about you, but really, the king of Persia is going to prophesy this? I'm waiting for some Russian president to declare that Jesus is the Christ. How many say amen? And you might think that that's far off. Eric, you're an idiot. Well, that may be true. But you know what? I'm a sold-out idiot at least. <laughs> amen? So, so here, here we have it. So we, uh, we're, we're going to go into, and I'm going to cover just this part right here, just the beginning of Ezra, to prep us into Nehemiah. Now, again, we have 700 years. We have Isaiah and Jeremiah, Daniel, prophesying these events, prophesying what's going to happen when the captivity is done. They're going to be, can you say the word dead? Yeah. They're going to be dead. Now watch this. In the first year... 
of Cyrus, king of Persia. That's Iran. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation through his realm and also to put it in writing. Don't you love God? God's going, okay, I'm going to take the king that took them captive and I'm going to conquer him. Then I'm going to bring in another king who's even done more stuff and I'm going to make him my ambassador. And I'm going to make him say it and I'm going to make him write it. And guess what? Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel, they're going to say it's going to happen before they're born, before this, these kings are born. And look at that proverb 21.1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. That first year of Cyrus is that first year that Persian begins their, their empiring reign. Okay, so this is where we are. He's going to declare it. And listen to what he says. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. Say it with you. Say Cyrus. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. This is so incredible to me. And what, when he says any of his people, did you know that some of the people didn't go? That's even more surprising to me. I mean, the minute Nehemiah knocks on the door and opens our door at our house and goes, hey, guess what? We're restoring this. I want to go. Let's go. I don't want to be the guy that goes, well, I don't know if I fill out my W-2 forms for the two thirds. You know, I need to make sure that I, I, I don't want want to do that. Sometimes you just got to go. Get on your camel and go. Or put down your camel and go. Now, I want you to look. Now, now we're at 450, 456, 458, 450 B.C., and I'm giving you general time frames in there because there's too many detailed events there. But look at Isaiah now. now. Now we're at almost 250, 275 years before this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. Remember, God, he says in a chapter, Isaiah 43, he says, I'm God, there is none besides me. I know the beginning from the end. I know what's going to happen. That's why you know that I'm God. I will tell you the things that will happen, and they will happen. You know that we're going to be saved? Woo! I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who says of Cyrus, this is before he is born. He names him. He is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Isn't this incredible? Isaiah prophesied for over 64 years under Hezekiah's reign, right? Judah is overturned. 
you know, in Zerubbabel, son of Jehoiakim, king, descendant of David, all these descendants, all the way, you know, the son, you know, with Solomon and Rehoboam, all these generations, and he's prophesying, and this is what is going to happen, and this is his name. And this Persian king who knows nothing about anything gets a revelation from God, and he says, hi, I'm Cyrus. I founded the Persian Empire and ruled it. And guess what? This is what's going to happen, and I'm going to do it. And God put me in charge of it. How many say amen? Amen. God is great. This is the backdrop that brings us in. This is the backdrop as we're coming to this time fulfillment where God is predicting of a 44, 7 times 70, and he's giving these specific of seven sevens. And we see its completion in the book of Revelation, the seven churches of the seven. Everything is bringing itself to a completion. And right in the middle of that seven, you know, even in the, uh, when the Bible calls a, an, an end time, Jesus is cut off right in the middle, the three and a half years. The three and a half years, that's how long his ministry, and he will be cut off and bring salvation and deliverance. How many know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords? This is awesome. Listen, here is a little background. It brings us right into Nehemiah, where the, 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 the temple is now being restored, is restored and it's being built, and now the outer courts, it, the outer courts and then the outer walls of Jerusalem and its defenses, so that they can be a, a force chosen by God to be reckoned with in the world. Ultimately fulfilled in us. Uh, Just say it with me. Say think big. Think big. big. All right. Here's some some Nehemiah. Written 425 B.C., 16th book of the Bible. I already gave it sort of in its context. Ezra deals with this religious restoration of the people Zerubbabel, the, the restoration of the camaraderie of the people. Then Ezra, the religious, back to making God number one. And then now Nehemiah is going to take it to that third place where he's going to take Judah's political, geographical, you know, world influence to a new place. And he starts rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And trust me, he's going to have every sort of conflict. And the, some of his main ones are the people in their midst. Uh, Sambalot, Tobiah. For one thing, who's going to name their kids Sambalot? <laughs> this is Tom, this is Ricky, this is my other son Sambalot. That's his cousin Pharaoh, and Judas is his big brother. <laughs> Sorry. These are the things I think about when I'm by myself. <laughs> so, this is a very long sentence, but it, this is the best way I could describe it. Nehemiah is going to talk about a city. Now, this is his context. A city being restored. A temple, then, being rebuilt. A city's outer walls being fortified in order for its protected but called people to become a protection and formidable influence to the world. This is what it is. Let, let me see how this speaks to us. We are a chosen people. We are a city on a hill being restored. But we're more than just a chosen people. We're also individuals in that chosenness that are being rebuilt and reborn as a temple 
filled with the spirit of the living God. Amen? And we are not just that. We're not just in it. We have the Lord, and guess what? No, and I'm going to be a really good influence. I'm going to witness and shine real bright with my smile. No, we are also a body. We are a presence. We are a presence. The hand cannot say to the eye, I don't need you, etc., etc. We are a presence as a church that protects and influences the world. Lord Jesus, heal my soul. Restore my identity. Lord, and restore my purpose, our purpose. Amen? And, and I want you to see, because a, a lot of times this is really important for me to clarify, that there are some in, in our, have a theological bent that when they see this temple being restored, they think it's going to be a real physical temple. And if it is, I don't care. But I really think it's pointing toward the body of Christ. And I'll give the example here in Revelation 21 where he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a what? It's a bride. That's us. And you may not know this, but if you're in Christ, you're seated with him in the heavenly realms. Right now, you're already there. And it says, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. This is from 1 Corinthians. I shall be their God, and they shall be my God. Just repeated here. It says, don't associate yourself with things that are not from God, but separate yourself, you know, because you are the temple of the living God. And that's who we are. And God himself will be with them, and, they, and, and he will be their God. Amen? Okay, so you may think I don't have time to do something substantial, but I will. How many of you got something from the Lord, by the way? I hope you did. I'm going to focus in on three things as we get to the start this book. And then put your seatbelts on because Nehemiah is going to rock your world. This is a killer, killer book. Nehemiah, a kingdom man. Number one, he is a man about the kingdom. Jody just mentioned it before. We, we have to be sold out to the things and the ways of God and what he has. If you blow it, you just get up and start over. Okay? We have forgiveness in Christ. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, Hakali, I'm sorry, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. And so here he is in a fortified place in the Persian Empire. He is a servant of the king. The, the, the Bible, the Old, New Test, Old Testament there, his book, Nehemiah, clarifies that he's the cupbearer to the king, which is basically he's the one who tests the drink and drinks it before Artaxerxes does. Okay? That's what's going to happen. And he, some of them have already gone with Zerubbabel to restore um, Israel, but he's still back there. Nehemiah's back there. He was part of that search team. If you read through Ezra, um, Ezra, he's in there. And then Ezra then goes back and they start restoring the temple, and he's now stuck back here, and he's starting to see their hardship but he's a servant to the king. He can't get out from under his jurisdiction. Okay, and that's how it feels sometimes, doesn't it? I can't be free, and I can't do what I feel like God wants me to do because there's always some restriction. It always is that way. And I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. God is in control. Amen? And he says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile 
and also about Jerusalem. And that word remnant is a very key word. Uh, those who want to follow up on it on Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 11, a remnant. Those that are, are the, the, the leftovers, almost like a chosen group. They were there. They survived the exile. They're already there, but they're under fire, okay? Now, I want you to see that, that he is a kingdom-minded man, okay? So Nehemiah 1.3 says, They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. So they got problems around them. They're shamed. And, and so instead of going, hey, God's really got this. They're protected by the Lord. They're in a place of disgrace and shame, and there's an obstacle to get past it. And he says, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And so you have walls. You have gates around there. And then in the, in the New Testament, those, those walls, you know, are called the prophets. Some of the gates are equivalent with the New Testament uh, apostles for significance. And he says, when I heard these things back in this Nehemiah, he says, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I thought, when I, whenever I read this, and I always think, what are the things that he could have done? Like he could have heard about this, and this could have been his response. He should, could have said, gosh, well, I'm glad we're here, huh? In Persia, we're safe. We're doing good. We'll pray for our brothers, see how they're doing. He could have just said, oh, it must be God's will and purpose that they broke down. So let's try to find our calling and purpose within Persia. Maybe the Lord wants us to kind of work its way out, you know, in Persia. And you start to come up with plan B and plan C rather than the prophetic word, which is plan A, where God's saying, I want to fulfill this. And the, he's kingdom-minded because his burden could have just been, well, I got a good job. I'm doing good. So that's good. As long as I'm doing all right, that's good. Just, I mean, his heart immediately is a leader's heart. A leader doesn't just think of themselves. They go above and start to look out amongst other people. How are they doing? What about our people? What about our identity? What about our cause? What about the words that the Lord has spoken? What about our disobedience? What about things that we need to reconcile? Let's go. Don't you want to become that kind of leader? How many say amen to this? Is it just me? Can I hear an amen again? Amen. This should excite you. Because I want, and I see all around our congregation, we have kingdom-minded people. Don't you think? And God wants to do something great. Then look at, look at him. He says, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, right? Hallowed be your name who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And I want you to put a, put a mark there, like a bookmark. Because Nehemiah is really going to appeal to the, if we did it right, then you're going to do this. And God's going to come through and he's going to say, I did this because I promised it. This is so consistent with God. You know, he doesn't go to Moses. He goes, you were so incredible. That's why I did it. I, 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 he goes, I heard the cries of the people. And I told them I was going to deliver them, and I'm going to do it. In fact, many times God says, he looks at what man does, and he says, that's why I put my trust in my own right hand, which is Christ. His incarnate son will bring the deliverance. Listen, Jody mentioned obedience and how important it is, and it is. Your natural response to salvation should grow into obedience. 
But don't be mistaken. You did not receive the Spirit or get it by your obedience. You got it by clearly having Jesus Christ portrayed as crucified. He was crucified for your sins. He was redeemed so that your purpose can be redeemed. So your identity can be restored. So that your temple can be rebuilt. And that God can dwell on the inside. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that's Nehemiah, is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. So he's appealing to them. He's kingdom-minded. Are you kingdom-minded? Sometimes people will come up to me and go, hey, I'm going to your church now. And I just think, oh, not yet, you're not. <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? And I go, well, then you'd say your church. Because guess what? I don't have a church. The church of the Eric Van Rie? What kind of stupid church is that? <laughs> That's the stupidest church. Guess what? I'm going to die, and this church is going to move on. And I hope it does 10 times better after I'm gone. Because you know what? God is, it's God's church. And who's the leader? God is the leader. Amen? Yeah. This is what's awesome. Now, Nehemiah isn't only a kingdom man. He's an authentic man. He's a transparent man. He's an honest man. Listen to him. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. This is what prayer brings you to. You start to go, Lord, can you take care of this? And can you do this? And can you do this? And you're right in the midst of prayer and asking God, God, I need you to do this. And all of a sudden God goes, hey, and by the way, you go, what? And he's going, what about all the stuff you're doing? It's about time we get rid of this. Are you ready? And this is what brings Nehemiah there. And I'm glad he isn't like a typical Christian. Lord, we confess the sins of that family. And I confess my neighbor's sin and my brother's sin. Lord, it's bad. And Lord, the church itself is so full of wickedness right now. Isn't that the lofty and unholy prayer? Because it's not a biblical prayer. I confess the sin of Israelites. Say, we. we. We Israelites, including myself. Doesn't this remind you of Isaiah's prayer in Isaiah 6? Where he starts to see the Holy One and the seraphim, and God gives him this revelation. And he said, and they go, who are you going to send? Send me. And then, he's, then also the presence of the Lord comes, and he feels the presence of the Lord. And he goes, I'm an unclean man. <laughs> he goes, I don't talk good. I got a foul mouth. Don't you love Peter? When God's coming to him, are you the one? He starts bringing curses down on himself. He's stupid, thinking, I'm on an idiot. And yet he's the one writing First and Second Peter. And Daniel, when he gives his big, long prayer, and he's going, Lord, we blew it, especially me. And Paul, when he says, man, if you want to talk about it, I'm the worst of all the worst, the chief of sinners. May God bring redemption and humility to the body of Christ. Listen, I'm not saying go sin. I'm saying be honest. Leave here today bringing it out into the light if you're struggling with something. I don't care what it is. I've heard everything. Trust me, if I had a big list of stuff, you'd be shocked at what I've heard. You'd be shocked at what I've done. Not just me, but you too. Especially you, I was going to point to the one person. And go, oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Especially him. Kick him on the way out. Just don't forget. <laughs> 
We have acted, verse 7, very wickedly toward you. This is Nehemiah, the mighty man of God. We have acted very wickedly to you. What he should be saying is, we have attended church regularly. And we have tithed. And we've done this. Okay, well then I'll give you what you deserve. No one wants what you deserve. Trust me, you don't want what you deserve. You can fool me, you can fool your friend, you can maybe even fool your spouse, but you cannot fool God. He sees everything. Thank God for forgiveness. Amen? Amen. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. We, the people, we've not obeyed. We, we sinned. We, our family, have acted wickedly. Right? We, our community, just like Job, offered sacrifices on a regular basis for his family, for himself and for his family, just in case they'd done something he didn't know about. And last of all, before we get into next week, Nehemiah is a praying man. (sighs) Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Do you think that these scattered Israelites, imagine them scattered out way at the edge and looking back, and that they're saying, oh, I am ready to get things right with God now. Here we go. Going to follow Moses' commands and laws and decrees. Do you think that ever happened? Well, I'm telling you that it did not happen. That's why we have the new covenant. Because Christ did walk in all the laws of God. And he did honor the Father with everything he did. And he glorified him. Glorify the Son just as you glorified him in yourself. And then he followed the decrees and the ways. And he reflected. He was the fullness of deity in bodily form, reflecting the glory and might of the Father for our sake perpetuated and moved by the love that comes from the throne of God for your redemption, not just as an individual, but as a people. And that is what we are. We are children of God, lavished by his love. Amen? Amen. This is what's great. And this is what he appeals, but he doesn't understand that this is going to happen in the book of Nehemiah by the promise of God. It's not by works, but it's by grace you have been saved. This, not of yourselves, but is the gift of God so that no one may boast. Amen? Amen. 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 Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Let me tell you where we're going to go with Nehemiah. Nehemiah serves the mightiest king on the earth. Everything is under his domain. He's going to risk it all for the people of God. He's going to risk it all because of his burden. Where he's going to risk it all because he's not just a servant unto the king, but he's a servant unto the king, unto the Lord. 
because his hope is not in this king, but it's in the Lord. And it says there at the last verse, it says, I was cupbearer to the king. That's what I was. I don't know what your job is. And you might think it's insignificant. It doesn't have any meaning. But I'm telling you, it has meaning. And if you think Nehemiah growing up just goes, oh, I'm going to be something mighty. He didn't. And you might be a, a, a talent evaluator because we walk, hear it in the news all the time. Look at LeBron and look at the way LeBron James jumps and look at the combine and this guy can do a high this and high that. Don't you think if God wanted to jump real high, he would have made you that way? Listen, with my bad ankles, I can't even jump that high anymore. I used to be able to. But I don't care. I just want to, when the Lord says jump, I want to say how high. And I bet you he's going to give me a thing that I can jump. And I bet you that I will fly like wings of eagles. And I will soar through the sky. And God will bring me to a place that I can be an influence. And I know he has that for you. I'm going to ask you to think big, out of the box. I have no idea what God's going to do. But I do know this. When Jody said, why don't you pray, ask God to get that one thing, the Lord told me this one. He told me first service. But he's been telling this for months. He goes, Eric, and it's kind of like, yes. And he goes, I don't want you to be doubting this season. You need to be moving that out. And of course, I doubted immediately. <laughs> but then my heart settled, and I said, Lord, I know that you're going to have to do this in me. I don't want to walk in doubt. I don't want to be a double-minded man. Do you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have great redemption. I'm, I'm going I'm to, Lord, lift your name up, the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, God of gods, the mighty one, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, Lord, El Shaddai, Lord, the provider, Adonai, Lord, the healer, the deliverer, the conqueror, the mighty victorious one. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend with you. Don't come by yourself. God bless. Let's give the Lord a clap offering.